episode of the Gospel Lifeline uh, podcast. My name is Neil Grogan. I'm here with Matt Statler. And I'm Robert Kale. And we are excited about this episode today because we're going to get to talk about some heart issues um, that, that we're going to carve up. Uh, Matt and I were talking earlier about uh, uh, images. You know, you try to make things look fancy anytime you speak or put a sermon out or, or whatever. And we were talking about uh, something like an, a, an image of a person laying on an operating table and there's like gears in their heart and trying to figure out what's going on. And that's essentially kind of one of the aspects of what we try to do here on the podcast uh, with different topics and different issues. So, guys, how are y'all doing? Uh, Robert, we in our states got hit by a winter storm. How are y'all faring out there in Mississippi? Yeah, it's uh, it's super crazy because I didn't I'm from California. We moved out here and then I'm not uh, I'm not the snow type person. I call it, you know, um <clears throat> like the no, the no kale zone, but, uh, yeah, it's been crazy. And it's like, there's snow everywhere. It's cold with the wind chill. It's like seven degrees. And I was telling my wife, I was like, did we move to like another state and not know it? Are we really in Mississippi (laughs) right now? Um, Instead of a right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And so it's been crazy for sure. And then I'm just, even the people that live here say this is like a once in every four or five years type event with the weather. And Matt, you're out there in Arizona, and let me guess, it's nothing. You're just sand. Sand? No, you know, you know where I'm at is it's kind of like the high desert, so we're kind of in the mountains. But it's been cold, about a 32 degrees with a little bit of wind, so that's been nice. As opposed to last uh, a couple weeks ago, we had a snowstorm that oh, was yeah. like dropping a lot of snow for us. But Neil, you guys, you have a lot of snow. You showed me pictures, kind of you driving <laughs> and stuff. How's uh how's that going? Well, you know, it's a it's a lot more fun to drive in the snow. You slide around and have a good time. I did donuts in the parking lot because I went to get my wife coffee this morning and all everything closed down. So I was like, man. So that was my little re- rebellion. <laughs> I was doing donuts <laughs> in the parking lot. But yeah, last night it came in pretty pretty bad. Uh, over the weekend we took the kids and stayed at this. Uh, like hotel resort thing they built in round rock. It's like the largest indoor water park in America. Um, so if I was ever going to get COVID right now, that was probably, <laughs> probably be the air, the place to get it. But um, anyway, yeah, last night my mom kept calling us and like, are y'all home yet? Are y'all home yet? Look and sending us pictures of the forecast. You know, she was so anxious and fearful of us getting in a wreck on the way home but you know we we drove slow and and as safe as we could be and got everything got everybody home last night um safe and sound you know which uh kind of sets us up for the podcast today because today we're going to be talking about fear and anxiety which is an issue that i think everybody and probably every listener has dealt with at some aspect of their or point in their life um matt what do you what when we're talking about the issue of anxiety, what are some general thoughts the world has towards this problem? And then give us a good uh, biblical definition uh, for anxiety. Absolutely. You know, I was reflecting on anxiety this last week as we were talking about it, and I was reminded about when we were watching uh, the results for the election. 
a lot of people were like constantly refreshing their browser or watching, you know, watching the news and they were just like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And people stayed up super late that night um, in anticipation or like a Super Bowl, right? Where you don't want to miss anything. You go out to get some chips and you're like, did they, was there a touchdown? And that anxiety, that nervousness, that worry um, has lots of different names. We know that the DSM-5 has a distinct definition for anxiety. And um, the solution a lot of times is like, here's a pill or you need to take your mind off of this or change your circumstances. Very rarely is it what is actually going on in the heart um, that's causing the problem. And so when we think about the word anxiety, if you were to like Google that in, in, you know, what, what Bible verses cover anxiety, or you look at a concordance, you probably won't find anxiety um, in its greater definition. So, we, we can look at the characteristics characteristics of anxiety and say, you know what, this is really fear. Mm. Anxiety is just a species of fear. And so a good, a good way we can describe anxiety is that anytime you love or want something deeply, you will notice fear and anxiety because you might not get them. Or anytime you can't control the fate of those things you want or love, you will notice fear and anxiety because you might lose them. And so when we talk about anxiety, in many ways, it's the same thing as fear. Where they're kind of synonymous. Syn- I don't even use that word. I don't even know what it Synonymous. means. Synonymous. 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 How did a Marine just correct an Army guy's vocabulary? Matt, you are no longer allowed to make fun of Marines for not being smart. Your card is gone. Infantry you too. Over your crayons. Infantry marine at that too. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. am the epitome of knuckle dragger. <laughs> uh, so, so Matt, to your point, you're saying that anxiety, uh, the way the world understands it, or whatever, but that word it's in itself or worry is synonymous with fear, and so this this we could really say anxiety or anxiousness is a fear issue, right? And so yeah. what specifically are we fearing? And like, how does that kind of find its way out in people's lives? Robert, what do you think? What are some evidences of fear that, that people struggle with that you've seen? Yeah, I think that, you know, we have anxieties or these fears of um, a lot of it stems from either things or people that we can't control. Um, so for instance, um, if I was a mother and I, I had, you know, my kids and I, I fear, I fear what people think of me as a person. And so now I want to make sure that my kids are on the best schedule with the best after school activities in the best school, eating the best foods, having the best clothes. Because if I do that, then when people see me, they see me as the best mom and the most uh, organized and the the one that they want on the team to help deal with the cupcake sales or whatever, these things that moms do, right, to help their kids because I have a fear of what everybody thinks of me. Or um, another one, like he was talking about with the election, you know, the elections brought a lot of anxiety out, whereas people were thinking after the results came out and, and the winner was declared, then it was, there was anxieties of, will the winner do well? Or should the other guy have gotten in and, and not knowing 
where to place your your trust and your hope, right? And so therein lies the problem, right? Because we're placing our trust and our hope in something horizontal instead of something vertical. Um, and there, there's a lot of other things. There's a lot of idols that people have um, that that can really flush out what we care the most about. And so then that's kind of like how I look at it, right? Like anxiety is this fear of things that we can't control. And it's also this distorted view of where am I placing my cares right now? Do I care about the things here? Or do I care about the things that the, that the Lord has for me? Do I care about my eternity? And so when we have a misplaced care, I think it creates anxiety. Neil, yeah. you made a really good point earlier when we were talking um, earlier about fear being forward focused. Do you want to kind of flesh that out a little bit? Yeah. So tease that out a little bit more forward focused. I don't remember using that term. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're good. You're good. Um, so you were saying, you know, when we think about fears, it's what could happen. Oh, what, yeah. what might happen. It's all, it's kind of like a false prophecy, right? We're yeah. all these like false prophets in our own mind. Like, Oh, this is going to be the worst event ever. Yeah. False prognosticators. There's yes, a, there's yes. a, that's a $5 word for you. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. We're, we're concerned with uh, what ifs and we live in the what if world. Right. So like guys, I counsel a lot. Uh, all of us actually uh, counsel a lot are dealing with some, some guilt, guilty conscious kinds of things. And, and one of those uh, areas uh, people struggle with, especially in the military vein or first responder vein is survivor's guilt, right? If I was in control, then it would have gone this way. Or the fear is like, I have this guilty conscience that's consuming me and now I have to hide and control my little bubble and live in isolation and really just decay and deteriorate over time, uh, mentally, emotionally, physically. And, uh, you know, uh, Proverbs 28, one says the wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as lions. I think that's a good uh, evidence of how people respond to their guilty conscience. They flee and hide, um, or they, uh, face and deal with because they're facing in light of to Robert's point earlier who they trust. Um, you know, this was, this was really groundbreaking for me. Um, cause I suffered from anxiety and, and fear, um, fear of same events happening. You know, I, I, we were in a marketplace once and the bomb went off and right. So now I don't like to be around crowds because I'm afraid something similar could happen. Um, and then when I started realizing, Hey, there's some underlying reasons for my fear that really opened, opened my eyes. And so if you're listening to this and, and you are experiencing a lot of anxiety in your life, don't think that we are accusing you of some kind of bad behavior. This is a natural response to our life circumstances, but the goal is going to be to change that. So when we hear guilty conscience, you know, a lot of a lot of that guilty conscience is is a misguided guilt, right? And so when when someone says, "Oh, I can't believe that I wore shorts to church one day," and and there was you know you brought you were brought up with the rule no shorts to church, and your conscience is is pricking you about that, that's a that's kind of like I don't like using the term false guilt because it is a form of guilt, but you are feeling bad about a standard that's not really there. So like Neil's talking about 
if I could have just saved my buddy or if I had been there five seconds faster, or if I hadn't taken that smoke break or I ran and, and got there, I could have, I could have done something. That's really a form of guilt that is, um, unnecessary. So I, I just wanted to kind of flesh that out for those of you who might be listening. And, and this may be a new thought for you that yeah. your anxiety yeah. is not just something that you have to live with, but there's actually something going on underneath. Yeah. What about, and- Oh, go ahead, Neil. Yeah. So just one more thing on that point is I think it's also important that when we look at this guilty conscience that we have, we're guilty of something. And so I love Wayne Mack. He says in uh, his book, uh, Courage, Fighting Fear with Fear, he says, quite simply, one of the reasons why people are dominated by fear is because they're in sin. And that, you know, and that that's a real simplified version of some complex issues and circumstances and all that. But what we are responsible for is how we respond to circumstances. And so we have to make sure we own what we have to, we have to own. I think a really good picture, um, maybe this will help everybody kind of see that there's nothing uncommon (laughs) to man is in Genesis chapter three with Adam after he eats of the fruit, right? Him and Eve, they realize they're naked. They're guilty. And how do we know they feel guilty? Well, they hide from God. And so they they're, there's some sin at the heart of their mistrust, um, of their treason. And the result is, you know, running up, fleeing, fleeing from God instead of pursuing God, running to him for relief. And let's, let's throw out a, a good definition of sin while we're here. You know, sin is any want of conformity or lack of conformity to the law of God. So there's a, there's a specific standard as to what sin is. Right. And so we don't, it's not just a feeling, right? So I heard on the radio the other day on a Christian station, no less, they said sin is that bad feeling you get when you do something. And I was like, no, that's really not what sin is. Sin is any lack of conformity to the law of God. And so we want to make sure that we recognize we are throwing a lot of a burden on us when we feel bad and we think that that's sin. So just be aware that's the definition of sin is important as well. Yeah, and I think that, so you were talking about that misguided guilt, right? Like, for instance, in our profession, we have a lot of guys and, and two civilians as well that have survivor's guilt, right? They get in a car accident. The husband survives, the wife does not. And so then the husband starts asking the questions, what if, what if, what if, what if, and placing his his efforts in that instead of looking forward and healing and those kind of things. And then I also think, too, that talking about sin, you have that guilty conscience that creates anxiety because you did do something wrong. And the guilt that you're feeling is the pressure from, as a believer that we know of God and through the Holy Spirit reminding you, like, dude, you're not living right. You need to fix things. And um, when that happens, then we have a fear again of what we can't control, which is what? I don't want people to find out. So now I have to lie. I have to cover up. I have to walk this way. I have to do this or say this uh, because we're trying to control the whole situation, trying to protect ourselves from what we have truly done wrong. And so that creates a lot of anxiety as well. And I know for me, that was a big issue that I had a lot of self-induced anxiety because I just didn't want people to really see how I was living because I knew I was living wrong. And I wasn't even a believer. I was just living wrong according to what I would define back then as a good person. Right. You know what I like to call that, Robert, is fig leaves. 
going off of the Genesis story where Adam and Eve um, are scared of God, what do they go and do? They go and make for themselves coverings. And that's what we do when we try to deal with our guilt our way. And like what you're talking about, how you would do all these different things. A lot of people would turn, I turned, used to turn to alcohol in my anxiousness or in my anxiety. I didn't want another night terror. So I try to drink myself into as much of a coma as possible. Those are fig leaves and our fig leaves are elaborate, right? We like to, we like to bling our fig leaves out and try to do everything we can instead of actually accepting the covering that comes from Christ. So, I will, I will have to coin from now on bling your fig leaves that's great man yeah. that's going in every talk i ever yeah. ever do when i counsel from now on i'm gonna say don't bling your fig leaves hey that, no, I hey, feel Rob, like that that's been great for me for counseling people really get that robert put that in the show notes <laughs> oh it'll be in the show notes for all the listeners for sure no that that's a good point and so <laughs> to for all of you know what robert and matt are saying like that that trajectory of this downward spiral into anxiousness and worry and fear it becomes all encompassing right it's crippling and one of the the merciful things of god is that he doesn't bring relief when we are turning towards worthless things that cannot rescue us yes. uh we have a good friend named uh Colin who was a navy seal and he talks about this as like, man, when God, he's, he says, it's like God's heavy hand is down on you, but it's also close to you. And so you should turn out and reach out to him and turn towards him. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot of times we say, God, you know, if you're good, just remove this from me, this feeling from me. Well, instead he's man, he, he wants you to to turn away from that misplaced fear and place it in the right things, which we're going to do a follow-up episode um, to talk about, you know, right, right place fear. But, but Neil, uh, I, I think moving into wrong values, that plays into the same thing, right? That heavy hand is on you to, to help you recognize, you know what, you're putting your value in the wrong thing. Uh, I don't know how many people have come to me um, since the pandemic happened and they say stuff like, oh, there's no manual for raising a child in a plague or a pandemic. And I said, well, have you read the book of Exodus? Have you read Boom. Leviticus? <laughs> right. And there is a manual for how to live in these kind of situations. And so maybe you're putting your value in the wrong place just because you can't go to the park every Tuesday with your mom friends. Um doesn't mean you need to have anxiety about your children missing out or um, or the election or, or really anything. What are you putting your value in? And that can help you um, with this fear idea. So what are some values, Robert, that you've seen, um, some false or wrong values that you've seen people really lean into in, in hopes of finding their peace, their happiness, their rest, the, the shalom that we get from God? Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, it can be a slew of things, but here recently, again, not to harp on the subject, but we've seen people have a false hope and a false value in, well, politically, if if party A or party B is in the White House, then my life will be fill in the blank. Great, excellent, carefree, um, best ever, whatever. Um, and then <clears throat> we also have guys, you know, people who uh, have a false value of, parenting of 
the 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 value of if I'm a good parent, then everything will be okay. Then my life best is best little league. Yeah, best little league exactly, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, even ministry can be a false value, right? Because you know, people working in ministry, we can tend to get focused on, okay, I have a job to do. Uh, I'm I'm working for the Lord, so that anxiety starts to blind us to what's going on around us, and 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 that focus on everything ministry related. And then we are so tore up about how, Oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. And then we try, we start trying to, you know, save everybody. Right. That's something that I've battled with as I counsel guys is, man, I have to say the right thing. I have to have the right Bible verse. If I don't mention this, then he's going to, but wait a minute, I'm not the Holy spirit. Right. And so we place our value in ourselves. Mm. Uh, and that's really dangerous. Um, I placed my value in, in the Marine Corps. I know, Matt, um, Matt, you did with the Army and ALU too with the Marine Corps. We've talked about that. And we hear that a lot with police department, fire department, any of the three-letter agencies that we've worked with. Mothers put their values in being moms. Um, I mean, we could go on and on and on and on, and it doesn't matter what your profession is. And it's okay to want to be a good mom or a good fill-in-the-blank profession, ministry worker, whatever. Uh, but it's bad when we... Um, when we allow that to cause us to have anxieties because it's not going the way we want, we can't control it. And then it takes our eyes off of what's going on around us. And all we do is focus on the here and the now right here, right now. Well, in this moment, party A or B is in the white house. And so now my life is going to be in turmoil. I, I have all this fear because what if they do all of these things or right now I can't be a good mom because fill in the blank and all of these things are happening in my life. So my kids are getting robbed of something. So now I have to try to do it. And so we just need to stay focused on what's right and what's true. And in the next episode, we'll hit that. So I don't want to go into that, but you know, that those are some of the things that I see people struggling with. Yeah. I, uh, I, all I could think of was, uh, you know, regarding this uh, wrong value system is the, the quote, maybe you guys can figure out who said this, but your best life now. Any ideas? <laughs> like this Osteen effect of man, everything's about today. Store up for yourselves treasures on earth, you know, <laughs> instead right. of in heaven. And so, you know, Wayne Mack, one of the things he said was, man, you become more concerned about your life here on earth than your heavenly destination. And to Robert's mm -hmm. point, he says, you know, your eyes are so focused on right here that you're missing who God is. And your, your eyes aren't set on him at all. And, and so everything gets spun out when you don't have the toys to, you know, give you the right pleasure you're seeking, which will, I'll, will never satisfy or the job or the status or the, you know, the way people, how many followers you have on Dagum Instagram. I mean, that's a, a that's an issue now for uh, teens, especially. And so, man, we, we have to get our eyes off of and our concerns onto God and off of ourselves or our circumstances of today. In many ways, it comes down to what voice are you listening to? Are you listening to God's word? Or are you listening to the devil? And um, I like how Edward Welch says this when in his book, Running Scared, he say fear and anxiety says this, you want something and you might not get it. You want power, love, the TV remote, perfect children, but you might not get them. You want financial security, health for yourself and those you love, safe passage to work, 
and you know you can't presume any of it. Fear and anger can be the same word spoken in with a different attitude, but he's really emphasizing the fear anxiety nature of we want something, we want this thing, and it, and it reveals a lack of trust. And that's kind of our, our, our third point is that this fear reveals our unbelief or our lack of trust. And, and many times to simplify this, I ask people, what are you, which way are you going to follow? Which, which road, which path are you going to follow the path of belief or the path of unbelief? And that's what we see in Proverbs. So what are some ways that people show a lack of trust, um, by their fear, Neil? Yeah. Uh, I think a major one that kind of exposes the unbelief in our heart is in the fear of man or what other people think, or another way to say this is people pleasing or codependency. I mean, there's many terms out there, but it comes it, to boil all of it down. It's a fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25 says that the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. I mean, that's the wisest man ever to live. Solomon, uh, who, who pinned pinned those words or said those words. And so, you know, and, and then Jesus says in Matthew 10, you know, that we should not fear those who can only destroy the body, but we should fear God who can destroy both the body and the soul. And so when we're consumed by fear of man, it really exposes the unbelief in our hearts and what we trust because we have to trust in something and we're either going to trust in God or we're going to trust in anything else under the sun that will not rescue or save you. A, a great picture of this. Uh, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It was like my 2020 uh, text, you know, um, is first Samuel chapter 12, verse 20. And this comes on the back of um, the people of God rejecting God as their king because they want to be like everybody else. They have a fear of man. Um, they want to look like the rest of the kingdoms. And man, Samuel calls him on this mess and, and, and God sends this big storm and it brings the people into repentance. And then Samuel addresses them in verse 20 and says, uh, oh, and it says, I was in second Samuel 12. Let me pull back. And it says, <laughs> do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. The CSB says, even though you've done all this evil, yet turn, do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as far as for me, far be it, should I, I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. So Samuel's pointing out, like, even though you've done all this evil, even though you've believed and trusted in all these worthless things that cannot rescue you, do not turn away from the Lord, but turn into him. The CSB says, uh, Sam, Christian Standard Bible translation says that Samuel tells him to fear, obey, and worship God. And that's what we are to do. So fear can be, or anxiety can be a good thing when it's in the right direction, but it also reveals our guilty conscience, our wrong values, our unbelief or lack of trust, and it reveals our idols. Hmm. Robert, can you think of some possible idols that fear would uncover as we dig deep into somebody's heart? 
Yeah. <clears throat> you know, like, I mean, Neil talked about it too, right? Fear, man, just the idol of people's approval. Um, how about ourselves, right? We, we're anxious because we can't control or do what we want to because we literally don't have that power or control over our lives. And so ourselves, we become a, a, an idol or maybe it's our children. Maybe it's our job. Maybe it's like you said, Matt, and, and uh, I can uh, relate to you as well as with the drinking, right? We drink because we want to fulfill something. And when that drinking doesn't, right, we're still anxious. We're still in the same state that we were prior to, you know, beginning to uh, get intoxicated. Um, I think that, you know, as humans, and I see this a lot more so in America, obviously we live here and um, I've been other places, but we place such a large value on our circumstances and our surroundings and our comforts um, and what provides us that peace. And that's a job that makes money, a house that keeps us warm, the nice clothes, the nice things, a political system that we agree with and that we voted for, um, something that we put up above God, right? We don't have a, a Christian belief that we intertwine our politics into to match our Christian belief. Instead, we have politics that we try to put our Christian beliefs into. And so that gets all mixed, mis, uh, messed up. And we see that as a huge idol. And we just keep looking at all these things where we're looking, you know, at the horizon instead of looking up and our, everything is just messed up and, and, and it reveals. That's why, you know, sometimes when I'm anxious, I start to think, okay, what is my heart's desire right now? And then when I can get to the root of the heart's desire, either through help of counsel or just reading scripture and praying, I see, okay, well, the idol right now is, and again, fill in the blank with any one of those idols. So what I'd like to do is I would like to challenge our listeners to, to write down instances of anxiety in your life this, this week. Um, and I would like you to do, do something. Ask yourself this question, what am I afraid of losing or not getting in this scenario? What is, what is underneath this? And as you do that this week, um, next week, I want, I would like you to tune in and you'll start seeing what are some of the solutions because we can, we're going to start offering solutions next week. So what are you losing or not getting? What are you valuing? What is, what is primary in your heart right now, um, with your anxiety? And my second thing is if you say that you don't have any anxiety, you're, 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 you're stoic, you don't have fear. Are you driven? Are you desiring control? Because those are all forms of fear, of anxiety. And so just use that as an example to, um, to check your heart this coming week. Um, I know that Neil and I and, and Robert all do that during the week. So, yeah. Neil, I think it's about time to wrap up. Yeah. Uh, I guess to land the plane, I, if you might be there and you're just all consumed by anxiety. And man, it's been crippling in your life. And I just want to leave you with this, man, there is hope. If first Corinthians 10, 13 says no temptation has overtaken you such as common to man and God mm -hmm. is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. So if God says misplaced fear is brings a snare, like Proverbs 29 says, you can be confident that he makes a way of escape. And, uh, 
man, you don't have to be trapped forever. So I'm excited about this upcoming podcast, Matt, Robert, um, where we get to look at solutions and uh, the spiritual resources at our disposal to get out of this snare that is fear, misplaced fear or anxiety or worry. Uh, Guys, that's another episode of the Gospel Lifeline podcast. Thanks for listening today. God bless. Thank you.